Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And amen. Please be seated. I love, I really do, the pageantry of Palm Sunday's opening, the triumphal entry, the, the, the waving of the palm branches, the, the feeling of the spontaneity of it all, especially the kids uh, imagining the donkey, the inevitable chaos of organizing this thing, and trying to stay together during all glory, laud, and honor. It's, it's always kind of fun. I love the way that that first procession in Jerusalem answered long-time longings of a prophesied saving king. But this year I hate the fact that we do Palm Sunday in a world riven with strife and, and hatred. Our brothers and sisters in the Eastern Orthodox churches will be doing Palm Sunday next Sunday because unfortunately the Western church and the Eastern church have never agreed on when we should do Easter. So this year, the Eastern Church does Easter a week later than we do, and we do, they'll do Palm Sunday a week later. And that's, that's bad enough. But what I really hate is that would-be Palm Sunday worshipers are bodies in the streets of Bucha and Mariupol, Ukraine. While in Moscow, Russia, the triumphal entry proceeds as usual, and that with a patriotic overlay. I hate the way evil colors the celebration in this way this year. But then again, evil has abounded in the world every Palm Sunday. Just pick your source of grief. So I want to talk today about the evil in the story. First, the evil in Jerusalem, and then the evil in us. And then what do we do with the evil in us? And that's real simple. We say it. And then where do we take the evil in us? Well, we take it to Jesus and we bring it to church. So, the evil in Jerusalem. You know, evil awaits Jesus in Jerusalem. We just read about it. A traitor's kiss, trumped up charges, cowardly authorities, justice profoundly miscarried, fickle crowds, shaming taunts, torturous soldiers, they're not new, are they? Silent friends, humiliating nakedness, excruciating pain, a suffocating end as the lights go out on the Son of Man 
and as he slips into the silence of God. I especially cringe as in our reading, the congregation, we join the accusatory voices of the elders and the crowds, eventually demanding, crucify, crucify him. I can barely bring myself to utter the words. They're so profane. I feel so dirty saying them. They are so horrifying. The truly horrifying reality is, not only is there evil in Jerusalem in that story, but there is evil in us. Crucify, crucify him. For who in the end put Jesus on the cross? I did. You did. We all did. The hymn we sang just before we read the gospel. Ah, holy Jesus, how hast thou offended that man to judge thee hath in hate pretended? Who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason. Alas, my treason. Jesus hath undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus, I it was who denied thee. I crucified thee. In this weekend's edition of the Wall Street Journal, uh, Barton Swain interviews the Jewish playwright David Mamet, who gave us Glengarry Glen Ross and the script to The Untouchables. Uh, Swain explains that Mr. Mamet feels that modern conceptions of human nature have become hopelessly naive. A rosy view of human proclivities leads to scapegoating, to scapegoating. That happens because despite our rosy view of human nature, we can't deny the existence of evil, but it can't live in us it has to live in them. And so it must come from some disfavored person or group. Them. Which, according to Swain, led Mamet back to biblical religion. Here's what Mamet says. The Bible starts with perf perfidy. That's, uh, another author says, the human propensity to foul things up. I said that a little more delicately than that author does. <laughs> the Bible starts with perfidy, and perfidy is everywhere in it. What the Bible is telling us is that the human race is unalterably flawed. It's not a matter of doing away with the haters or this group, or that, we have to deal with our mind. We have to deal with ourselves. We have to deal with the fact that the evil is right here. We're all monsters, though most of us learn how to hide it pretty well. 
Now, it would, it would not be helpful to you at all for me to describe some of my unguarded moments, but it, they're there. The monster lurks within. So, there's evil in Jerusalem, there's evil in ourselves. What, what do we do about the evil in ourselves? There's only one thing we can do. We can say it. We can acknowledge it. We can tell the Lord the truth about it. Could I invite you to take the Book of Common Prayer that hopefully you will find in the pew rack and open to page 268. We're circling back to the beginning of the Lenten season, the service of Ash Wednesday. Seems like this would be a great way to close this out. On page 268, we're in the midst of the litany of penitence, where we say what it is that is messed up in, a, in ourselves. And what I would invite you to do, if I were your professor, I would assign you to do it, would be this week. Take your book of common prayer. If you don't have one, you're welcome to borrow one from the pew. You can find it online. And go to page 268 and do this. Go down the first five paragraphs here and start. Lord, I crucified you by, and then I'm just going to run through these. All my past unfaithfulness. Put it in the first person singular the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of my life, I confess to you, Lord. In fact, what I'd ask you to do is do that little exercise with me right now. All I'm asking you to do is do the part that says, I confess to you, Lord. Okay? Lord, I crucified you by all my past unfaithfulness, the pride hypocrisy, and impatient of my life, I confess to you, Lord. Lord, I crucified you by my self-indulgent appetites and ways and my exploitation of other people. Lord, I crucified you by my anger at my own frustration and my envy of those more fortunate than myself. Lord, I crucified you by my intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and by my dishonesty in daily life and work. And Lord, I crucified you by my negligence in prayer and worship, and by my failure to commend the faith that is in me, I confess to you, Lord. Well, once we say it, where do we take it? Where do we take the evil in ourselves? We take it to Jesus, and we take it to the church. Now, if I could ask you to take your inset, your insert from the gospel reading. And note two really significant things that, that Luke records for us. First, on the back of the page, halfway down, 
Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. There's a sense in which we are the ones who crucified him. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus offers a complementary perspective because he says to the people around him, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own. What really put him on that cross was his love for you. A love that you cannot appreciate until you understand how deeply you do not deserve it. That goes for me, that goes for you, that goes for all of us. And so I would urge you, if I were your professor, I would assign you, go to this place this week and contemplate what it means for you, not just to be the monster that you know that you are deep within, filled with perfidy and the human propensity to foul things up, but know that knowing that, he says from that cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then go down just a few more lines where you have this conversation Jesus is hung between two uh, thieves, two insurrectionists, and one protests to the end and one turns to him. I I know this is too small for everybody to see, but what I have here is an Eastern Orthodox cross, and it's characteristic of the Eastern Orthodox cross to have a, a short diagonal cross at the, down towards the foot of the cross. And by tradition, the thief who doesn't confess Christ is on the left. And because he never trusts Christ, he's going down. And by tradition, the thief who confesses Christ is on the right. And because he asked Jesus for forgiveness and asked him to be, asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom, he's going up. And I love to keep this cross nearby so that I can remember there is one important choice in life to continue to pretend that I've got it all together or to admit that I don't and to go to the one who got it right and who got it right so that he can lift me up. And so I urge you to ponder this conversation I don't want to be the one who said, well, he saved others, let him save himself. If he, is, if he is the Messiah of God, he is chosen one. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. I, I, I want to be, I want to be the other guy. Don't you fear God? We're under the same sentence of condemnation, we've been condemned justly. We're getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then, oh, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's all you got to say.
And his answer to you and me is just what it was to the thief on that side. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And if you say that, even before you die, you are already living in the paradise of his life within you. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, trusting in his forgiveness. Now, you and I can let God take care of the butchers of Bucha and the murderers of Mariupol and the cynical churchmen of Moscow. You worry about you. I worry about me. And as we take in the wonder of Jesus' prayer for the likes of us, we can bask in a way we never have before in his Father forgive. So, take the evil to Jesus and bring it to church. This week, join us at the cathedral. If you can in person, if you can't online, we're so delighted that we can worship together this way, even though we miss you guys horribly. This week, join us at the cathedral as we go all the way into what Paul calls the fellowship of the sufferings, that we may know the power of his resurrection. Come Maundy Thursday, experience the fellowship of love. Hear the story of the foot washing that so perfectly mirrors the parabola of redemption that was read in Philippians today. He who was high came low, that he might be raised up again. Maundy Thursday, the stripping of the altar and the reproaches. Come Good Friday during the day for the stations of the cross as we walk the Via Dolorosa, as we venerate the cross and respond to it as our hearts dictate, and as we have the opportunity for the rite of reconciliation, an opportunity for confession with a priest if you would like. Come Good Friday evening for Tenebrae's service of darkness when Martha Tiller, Martha Tiller renders John's passion just from the heart to the accompaniment of haunting, gorgeous music. And then come to like the, the great gem of the whole liturgical tradition, the great vigil of Saturday night when Easter dawns with baptisms and the great noise and come Easter morning, early morning with confirmations and then the rest of the day celebrating the fact that Jesus is risen and because he is risen, so shall we be as well. And for now, Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen and amen.